Hello and welcome to FBC. I am Stephen. I am the student pastor here at FBC. And um, if you're wondering where our senior pastor is, David, he's right over there. He's watching me get a preach for the first time. Uh, he's going to actually be up here next week and uh, starting a new series with you called The Kingmaker. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, but today it's my privilege to be able to preach for you today. And um, while We've just finished a series on family and looking at the importance of raising up our families and our children and doing that well and with intentionality. What I'm going to be talking about today builds on that idea, but it's not, it's not a continuation of that series, but it definitely does build on it. Because the reality is training and equipping our children is not the stopping point. It doesn't end there. It continues with our teens, it continues with our college students, it continues with young adults, and it continues, it just continues. It never stops, because we have to be intentional about training up the next generation no matter where we're at. It's important for us that we are being invested into as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, and it's important for us as well to be investing into others and making sure that they're being built up. And there's this cycle that continues over and over and over again in the life of the church as we mutually build one another up in community. And so we're gonna be in Titus chapter two today and we're gonna be looking at this order that God has established as God speaks through the Apostle Paul to Titus. And he sets up this order, and this order isn't really that profound. It's simply that the older people are to train up the younger people, to know the heart and the mind of God. And that's not necessarily super profound, because it's just kind of, it comes naturally to us. But we face a cultural problem. Our culture doesn't recognize this as this is the correct order for our lives. Because our, our culture, the way it looks at it, it says we lift up youth, we lift up young people as the model to emulate. You say they're the ones that we need to make our lives after. This is why when high school students get called to Congress, it makes national news. Instead of an expert who has years of experience and we never hear about it. This is why kids are held up as like, wow, they have so much potential. The kids are our future. This is the future. This is what we need to emulate and be like. And that's actually kind of unique. This is a unique place we find ourselves in. Uh, Robert uh, Harrison, he is a, a professor of history at Stanford, and he makes this observation. For the first time in human history, the young have become the model of emulation for the older population, rather than the other way around. Culturally speaking, be that in terms of dress code, mentality, lifestyle, and marketing, the world that we live in is astonishingly youthful and infantile. Continues. On the one hand, youth is essential for its culture's innovation and drive and flashes of genius. But at the same time, however, youth is a luxury that requires the stability of wisdom of older generations and institution. We need youth, but we also need wisdom. 
And there's an important distinction that we need to make between wisdom and knowledge or wisdom and information. Because never in our history as a human race have we had so much knowledge, so much information accessible to us, right? You just reach into your pocket and you pull out your phone, you can Google, you can Siri, you can look on YouTube, and you can find practically anything. So much information. It's almost overwhelming how much information that we have available to us. It's hard to sort through all of it. But we don't have a knowledge problem in our world. We have a wisdom problem. A problem where we don't understand how to effectively sort through all of this information so that it makes sense. And um, Dale Archer, he's a clinical psychologist, he made this observation about our, the information that we have. He says this, the constant access to information leaves the impression that a tidbit of knowledge or a soundbite is enough to be relevant. It suggests that a quick 10-minute read or video, and at this point in time it's probably less now, is equivalent to wisdom gained from years of hard-earned experience. We need experience. We need wisdom. We need perseverance. And this is really, as I began with, this is not necessarily something that's super profound, but in a world that idolizes youth, it is. And so we want to come to Titus and we look at and be reminded that we need wisdom. This is how God ordered our world to work. This is how he made it, that the older would pass on wisdom and knowledge and understanding and perseverance to those who are younger and who are going to grow up then to be older. And so wisdom really acts as a filter. It helps us filter the useful from the useless. So um, I, I like to work on cars, and I've been working on cars since I was little with my dad. And he taught me a lot, and um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, and I've been doing it for years. Some of you guys may have noticed I drive the little red old BMW that's out parked in the corner. Some of you are like, oh, that's a fancy car. Some of you guys have come up to me. But it's a lot of fun to work on. It's, I enjoy doing it, and I've taken so much of that car apart and put it all back together, and I have a lot of wisdom and experience. And I've had different friends come up to me over the years and say, Stephen, can you help me work on my car? And I'm like, well, I don't know necessarily about your car specifically, but I have ex some experience. I have a framework to understand how to work on cars and how they work. I understand them beyond just like the specific information to one vehicle. And so I've had different friends as they come up, hey, can you help me? I'm like, sure, I can help you. And even though I may not know specifically about your car, because I have this framework, because I have the wisdom of the years of experience working on a vehicle, I know to figure out, well, what information do I even need? What's the problem? Where can I find this information to be able to fix your car? How do I even know what's good and bad? Because believe me, you can go on YouTube, you can go on the internet, and you can find a whole lot of people who say they know how to work on cars that actually don't. So you, you, I use this framework to be able to evaluate all the information to determine whether it's useful or useless. And so God wants us to pass on this same framework, this understanding, this wisdom. A couple of weeks ago, Brian called this our worldview by which we view the world. 
How do we see it? How do we interpret all the information that is around us? How do we know what is good and what is useful? And so as Titus is reading and hearing this letter from the apostle Paul, now Titus had a job that he had to do, that Paul commissioned him. He was on the island of Crete, which is in the Mediterranean Ocean. And there, they had already gone through and established some churches. You knew Paul and Titus, they were missionary buddies, okay? And so they had these churches, and Paul says to Titus, go back to that island and help them get back in shape because they've got some problems. They had some false teachers. They are people who were more interested in themselves than the gospel. And I want you to go there, Titus, and establish leaders for this church. Establish leaders so that they can guide them, so they can pass on this biblical framework, this worldview, this understanding of the heart and the character of God to the rest of the church and get it back into shape. That's what I want you to do, Titus. And he says, I want you to pick leaders based not upon necessarily the qualifications or the skill set first, but upon their character first and foremost. He says, I want you to pick leaders who know the heart and character of God. He wants you to pick leaders who demonstrate that they know it by how they live every day. And then I want you to pick leaders who, have, who can effectively teach other people to know God's heart, God's character, and who can live it out too. It goes back to this cycle. Train up the next generation. And so those are the qualifications that we want to establish these leaders, and then after he does that, he says this in chapter two. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine, because what was happening in those churches beforehand was not what was agreeing with sound doctrine. And so we have this word, accords, and that's kind of an, an interesting word. We don't necessarily use it a whole lot in our English today, but it means that we want to teach something that agrees with what builds upon, which works with sound doctrine, which leads us to have this understanding of first, we need to know what sound doctrine is. If, we need to, if we're going to be teaching and building upon that foundation of sound doctrine, then we need to know what the sound doctrine is first. And that's what we learn through scripture. What, what Jesus spoke to us, what the apostles taught to us in Scripture, which is passed on in the letters and the books that we read through the Bible. And we don't want to just read the Bible as a check mark to say, oh, I did my Bible reading today, but we read it to have a relationship with God. Because when we have a relationship, we find that we know the person. It's funny, when you spend time with someone, you figure out like, how to push their buttons, you also figure out the things that, you know, makes them really happy. Well, it's the same thing with our relationship with God. We need to know the things that God loves, the things that he hates, the things that bring him joy, the things that bring him sorrow, the things that are right, the things that are good. We need to know and understand the heart and character of God. Because when we know what the heart and character of God is, we are able to know how to use that to inform every facet of our lives. You see, wisdom, wisdom that we learn through knowing sound doctrine informs every aspect of our lives. Because newsflash, the Bible doesn't talk about everything. 
We talked about how we have information access to so much stuff on our cell phones, right? Nowhere in the scripture will you find anything on how to use your cell phone. Nowhere in scripture it says when you're on social media, you need to be sure to interact and do this. Nowhere on the scripture does it say when you're on your phone, these are some of the sites that you don't want to look at. You're not going to find it. But what you are going to find is you're going to find the heart and character of God that is going to be able to help you understand how to use this piece of technology in a way that glorifies him, that brings him joy, not sadness. The way that he's going to go, oh, I love this, and not hate it. So that we know the heart and character of God, and that informs every facet of our lives. And so Paul continues to Titus, and he says, so now that we know the sound doctrine, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young men to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that, they, that the word of God may not be reviled. Excuse me. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching, show integrity and dignity. So we find here four groups of people. Older men, older women, younger women, and younger men. And he goes on and he lists some different things that each group is supposed to do. I'm not going to dive into each one of those different things um, today, because these lists aren't necessarily exhaustive. You, can, you could add more. Paul could have added more to those lists for each group. And if he was to write to us here in Las Cruces in 2020, he would have probably had some different things to say to us than he did to um, the people on the island of Crete. That doesn't mean we throw it out, because it agrees with sound doctrine, as we saw here. But just know that in there, these lists, not exhaustive, we can, there's more to it than just that. But what I want us to see is that the relationship that takes place between these different groups says older men train up the younger men. Train them up. Be intentional about it. And younger women, you need to listen to the older women. There's these relationships that are taking place. It's this passing on of wisdom to the next generation, the framework to understand of how do we know the heart and character of God and then live that out each and every day. That's what he wants to pass on. And he says, men with men, women with women, because these are more intimate relationships that are taking place. And so there's some wisdom, wisdom to having men with men. One is men, young men, need to have a man as a role model. Because as a man, I can teach, but I'm not a good, a good biblical role model of a woman, because I'm not a woman. And so young women need young older women to be the models, just as young men need to have older men as models. And also, we want to do that to avoid any impropriety in relationships. So he says, let's do this. Men with men, women with women. Training one another up in more intimate relationships to know the heart and the character of God. Okay. 
And so there's these relationships, but then, he, then Paul goes into a little bit more for Titus. What do these mentors, what are these older people, how are they to live and exemplify in their life? And he says this, show yourselves in all respect to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put, in, so that any opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. And so we see here, there's five things that stand out to me from this. Is that as a model, you need to have good works. It means that your life needs to show what you actually believe. It needs to be evident in how you live. It needs to show up in good works. And it says that you also need to be able to teach well. Now, everybody teaches because whenever we're doing something, someone else is watching us and they learn from it. Now, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Believe me, they are watching and they are learning all the time, whether I want them to or not, right? And uh, so we're always teaching, but to teach well, you have to be intentional. You have to do it with purpose because things that we don't do in purpose are accidents, right? We want them to learn intentionally and on purpose. So the things that we do and how we teach, we have to make sure that they're learning what we want them to learn. So we want them, so we demonstrate good works, we teach well, we have integrity. And I think this is really important because integrity is about consistency. Consistently doing the right thing over and over and over again. Because it's easy to do the right thing when it benefits us, when everyone else is doing it, or when it's expected. But it's hard to do the right thing when it doesn't benefit us. It may even hurt us. It's hard to do the right thing when no one else is doing it. And it's hard to do it when no one else expects you to do it. And so integrity is about being consistent with our life and saying, I'm following Jesus Christ. He is my Savior and Lord. I'm going to be doing what he says is valuable, is important, what, the things that he loves, the he, things that he finds joy in, the things that he says is right. And I'm going to do it no matter the circumstances, no matter the cost, as integrity. So we have integrity as models. You need to be worthy of respect. And the reality is if you live a life where you're doing good works, where you're intentional about teaching other people, and you live with integrity, you're probably going to be respectable. But there's a piece that I want to build onto it, this, and this idea that we, to be respectable, you also need to show that you actually listen and care. Because I've had some different professors over the years who, they may be great teachers, they may live well, and they may have integrity, but they don't really care about their students. They're just like, yeah, learn the material, you got it, go, continue on. But then I've also had professors that showed me that they actually do really care about me as a person. And those are the professors that I was more excited to be in class with and learn from. And one of the things that they did is they listened. And they cared about us. This is what I do with student ministries all the time as a pastor with junior high and high schoolers, is I listen to things, what are, what's going on in your life? Because when they know that I care about them, 
they're more apt to actually listen to what I have to say. And I'm able to know what the things that they're struggling with in their lives so that I can actually point them to the truth and the wisdom that they need to hear. This is the idea of to be respect, we listen and we care. That helps us to be, to teach well. It tells them that they need to be finally above reproach. So this is the idea of anyone who looks at your life as a model, they would be able to go, huh, there's consistency there. There's nothing in there that has the appearance of them doing wrong. And that doesn't mean that we're never going to do wrong. But going back to the idea of integrity, and it means that when we do make a mistake, we own up to it and we say, how do we fix this? How do we make it right? And so living above reproach this idea of transparency and authenticity, being real all the way through. And so as models, as the older people who Titus and Paul are going to be talking to, is these are the qualities that we want you to live out. Have a life that is evidenced by your good works, that you teach well with intentionality, that you have integrity and consistency, that you care and listen and are worthy of respect, and you do it in a way that no one can say anything bad about you. And so as we think about this, as we think about understanding sound doctrine, Knowing what builds upon that is the idea that we need to understand God's heart, God's character, and how we're to live that out and pass it on to the next generation. And how we live as models. We have a charge from this passage. Because young people have a duty. Young people need to seek out the understanding and wisdom from those who have a mature relationship with God. And when I say younger, it's not just about age. Not just about age. Here it's about spiritual maturity. People who have followed Jesus Christ for maybe a shorter period of time. Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you fall into this category because you're a new Christian. Maybe you fall into this category because maybe you went to church as younger and then you kind of went left and you came back and you're still kind of figuring some of this out, you, you might fit into the younger category. You might also fit into the younger category if you, maybe you've been a Christian a long time, but it's just been surface level. And you haven't really dove into it, and you don't really understand, and you're like, well, I I'm not sure how to figure some of these things out. You might fit into the younger category there. You need to be intentional about seeking out wisdom from those who have a more mature faith. And then on the flip side, those of you who are older, who have a more robust faith. You need to be intentional and train these, yes, less experienced believers to be faithful followers of Christ. And you know what's not an option? Standing on the sidelines. Saying, I don't really fit into either category, so I'm going to do nothing. We need to be intentional to say, I'm going to be investing into someone, or I need to invest be invested into. And the reality is, we likely need, we, all of us need both. You know, as a pastor, I need someone to be able to, that I need to seek wisdom from and understanding and learn from. And I also need to be pouring into someone else. Each of us, no matter where we are, continues the cycle of 
Learn from and pass it on. Learn from and pass it on. And so, where do you place yourself? What step do you need to take today? Do you need to find someone to mentor you? Do you need to find someone to be intentional about helping train them up? Because remember, standing on the sideline isn't an option. Not for Paul, not for Titus, not for us. Not if we want to be intentional about leaving a legacy of faith to the next generation. One last thing that I want us to, to consider before I conclude is this. And the importance of humility. In 1 Peter 5.5, 5, the Apostle Peter says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. We see here, younger and older, the same type of relationship. Peter, Peter agrees with, with Paul here. But he says, all of you, not just the younger, not just the older, all of you, put on humility. We need humility. Because it takes humility to say, I need to learn something. I need to learn something from you. I don't know everything. That takes a lot of humility. What also takes humility is to teach and to train up with grace, with patience, with integrity and intentionality. That takes humility as well. We need humility no matter what side of the relationship in the training up process we're in. And so, as we think about this, in a world that continues to idolize youth, we need to be countercultural. We need to say, we need wisdom. We need God's wisdom in our lives. We need to know his heart, his character, so that we can understand how to live out our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. We need to be countercultural and intentional in training younger people up to be the next generation of leaders to be the next generation of faith, of the church, and leaving and passing on a legacy that we stand here and build on today from the very first Christians so long ago. Let's continue that legacy. Um, I'm going to pray in a moment, and after I pray, we're going to have some of the pastors up here and some, and some ladies, and I want to encourage you if you need prayer, come up, talk to us. If you want to accept Jesus Christ and say, I want to be a part of a community that builds into one another, coming up, we'd love to talk to you about that. If you want to join our church, if you want to, um, if you want to say, you know, I want to be intentional about living this out, coming up, we would love to talk to you about that. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you recognize our need for wisdom and you gave us a model and an order for us to be able to pass on faith to the next generation. Help us to see that we can't just stand on the sidelines, that we can't be doing things just randomly or on accident, but on purpose. To, to train up the next generation to know your heart, to know your character so that we can live out 
every aspect of our lives in worship to you. God bless this time that we have in this worship. In your name I pray, amen.